Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You're listening to the Believe in Monsters podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Chris Krogman, Joe Gaither, and Luke Barry. Discussing all topics, Chicago Bears. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Seconds is when we start this podcast. 28 seconds is when we start this show because the Bears scored 28 points this weekend against the Detroit Lions to claim victory number two in a row. Two in a row for the oh my god, two in a row. Oh my gosh, how long has it been since the Believe in Monsters podcast has talked about two victories in a row? Welcome in. We had to do it on Wednesday because we were all so inebriated from Monday that we had to get our lives back together on Tuesday, figuring out what in the world happened on over the weekend. The Chicago Bears beating the Detroit Lions. Yes, the nine-win Detroit Lions. They beat them 28-13. to The Bears now... Five and eight, still in the basement of the NFC North. But the Bears, Lucas Berry and Chris Krogman, as you guys tune in to the Believe in Monsters podcast for another episode, follow us at BIM underscore pod. We're part of the Believe Broadcasting Network. Lucas Berry, the Bears are officially in the hunt. Yeah, we need an audio signer that says that in the hunt. Pretty sweet. Uh, yeah, they're right in the thick of it. I mean, that that was a fun game Sunday. Um, I don't know. I feel like we've really – the Bears have owned Jared Goff, I think, pretty badly. I think since he's been in the league, even when he was on the Rams. Remember that? Oh, the Rams. Yes. Uh, got after him pretty good on that Sunday night, was it? A Sunday night football? Yeah, that frigid Sunday night. Yeah. What's up, Chris? Nothing. Nothing. Just uh, just basking in the uh, the warm uh, feels of this uh, this cold winter wind uh, as we uh, pretty much smacked Detroit in the mouth. That was pretty fun. That was a good time. Uh, yeah, that's a good football team, and. Um, and we did second, second time, 
Second time in a, in a few weeks that we've – I mean, in all honesty, we dominated the first game. We just fell apart at the end of the end of the, end of the first one. Uh, up 17 points with like four minutes left. Uh, so, yeah, good stuff. Big win. Lots to uh, lots to talk about as far as uh, the future. Joe, did you happen to listen to last week's episode at all with uh, with Lucas and I? Covering uh, for your ass while you were sleeping? No, I did not. What did y'all talk about? It was a bye week. <laughs> we talked about the Bears. Did you? Uh, the, the Chicago Bears. Bears. Beating the, Bears. The, the Vikings? Did, did y'all call a victory? Did y'all both? Uh, no, I think, I think I had a – no, yeah, wait. No, we, yeah, we both I had, had a, a close loss. No, I thought I said 21-20 Bears win on a Justin Fields a game-winning drive. Oh, wait. Yeah, you did say that. You did say you were going to go full homer the rest of the year. I do remember that. Well, why wouldn't he go full homer the rest of the year? Look at the last four weeks, guys. Yeah, uh, obviously the Panthers stink. But you beat the Panthers, the, the aforementioned Lions game at Ford Field that you guys just hit on, you're up big on them. Uh, then you beat the Vikings in an ugly-ass game. And then really – Oh my gosh, guys! Did the Bears look like a complete football team? Look like a competitive football team at really all three levels? Impressive football, uh, largely from the Bears on Sunday. So you're on a four-week stretch where you could be four and zero, and you look at the last part of this schedule. Things get interesting for our Bears, Luke. Yeah, we got the Browns coming up this week, but uh, apparently half their team is on IR, so. This is going to be a, an interesting game right here. I'm just kind of saying, wow! Look what look at the look at the like story of the season. Oh, I oh, still- yeah, no, I totally agree. But to your point, the last four games are very winnable, so that's why I'm getting excited here. What are you going to say, Chris? Uh, that there were words, and now they are gone. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I can't remember what I was going to say. Well. Um, I, I think, uh, you know, I, I do think something you said a few weeks ago has kind of stood with me uh, in that the players haven't quit on Eberflus. And, I mean, you're totally right. I, just the way they talk about him, the way they back him up, you know, uses quotes and press conferences and that kind of stuff is, is pretty interesting. And now, and now we're really seeing, you know, a team who hasn't really quit on him and, if anything, are playing better than they ever have for him. So, uh I mean, I think you were spot on when you mentioned that a few weeks ago, Chris. You know, I, it's always interesting to get inside the locker room perspective from from anywhere. Obviously, the only place you can get is like Bears beat writers, or or you know, if you if somebody Instagram lives uh, Kyle Short, but. Like, it seems like it's a completely different world. You know, like the media and the fans can all have one opinion of what's happening inside of a locker room. And in reality, I, they could be right. But a lot of times they don't have a clue. They don't have a clue what they're talking about. And uh, they're just speculating. And they're going off of what they think, um, how they would feel in those situations how they think other people feel in those situations. But, I mean, clearly this is a team that has not quit on their coach or each other. So, last four weeks are going to be interesting. I am still very 
cautiously optimistic. I'm not going to get my hopes up. I'm not going to make myself look stupid on Twitter. So, yeah, it'll be good times. Now, Joe, I think you were with me in that, you know, we said before that we didn't think uh, Iberflus could save his job. And now, obviously, the Bears win two in a row with a favorable schedule coming up, uh, you know, and they are in the thick of the, the hunt, quote unquote. Joe, do you think, you know, today, do you think, are you any more swayed that Iberflus can keep his job? Yes, he absolutely can keep his job. And that's <clears> kind of like, like gut check yourself. Look at all of ourselves. We've been talking and banging this fire Eberflus drum for probably you know four, five, six weeks or so. Uh, Not Chris. Longer, longer Not for Chris. me. Not Chris. Well, longer for me, really. Uh, and if you okay, you got the Browns last four weeks. You go three and one. You you're, you finish that eight and nine. Like that's not going to get it done. But if you go four and zero oh, and things break your way, you're in the playoffs. Like even if you go three and one and you finish eight and nine, you, talk, you, you, you know Chris's big thing has been oh you double the wins, you double the wins. Well, at eight and nine, what's that from last year? You won three games last year, so almost tripled your wins. Uh, I think that we need to uh, settle in and get comfortable with the idea that Matt Eberflus probably isn't going anywhere because I'm not really afraid of the Cardinals, the Falcons, or the Browns. And I mean, the Packers suck, but mm, the Packers are what they are. They're probably going to beat you on the last week. So, no, I think uh, that's a dangerous proposition that I think Eberflus is going to be involved in this team going forward. But I think that uh, once he achieves the feat of going back to back wins, he's going to be. <laughs> You know, if he can keep the momentum up, he might be safe. It is kind of crazy how one win sparks all this, but obviously there's more context to this than just that. I mean, the what do you think, Chris? This defense has probably been what top ten in the past month, at least top five, top, dude. Top five. Yeah, they, they've been like points ridiculous. points allowed. They're they're great, uh, other than the massive collapse with Detroit. But man, that's a top that's a top ten offense. Um, defense, it's funny. Defense. No, I'm saying Detroit's oh, that, top that 10 we offense. shut down. Yeah, and yeah, that, I got you. It, well, yeah, this week we did, but we collapsed a couple weeks ago. Anyway, uh, yeah, I think seven and ten, he keeps his job. Like, I don't like if we want to give players a bunch of you know caveats around this is rebuilding, rebuilding, rebuilding. They, they don't have anything around them. Uh, you know, nobody to block, nobody to throw to blah, 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 blah. The same has to be said for a coach that's dealing with a rebuilding roster, right? Uh, last year, we talked about how disciplined they were and how well they, uh, you know, still rallied to the ball, still played hard. They were in a shit ton of games last right. year that they eventually And that's what lost. we're seeing now. And now we're seeing the same thing. Um, and, you know, I, I joked about, uh, this somebody saying that you know the amount of penalties on this team is really comes down to like being a young team, and I still think that is on coaching, but at, it does take experience at the NFL level to start to understand how to not get penalties, like especially Tyreek Stevenson. Uh, Darnell Wright's had a few, uh, Braxton Jones has got to clean his shit up, man, like that dude. He, he has to get better in that department for being a, a second-year guy. But, I, I mean, I think the real question is going to come down to below Eberflus because now I'm, I'm, I'm more or less convinced neither him or Poles are going anywhere, which what a fucking 180. 
Jeez Louise. It is crazy. But why did it like, take us nine weeks to get here though? You look at the last four it, weeks. It, exactly. Why did it, it was take like nine weeks to get here? The first five weeks were so bad that that's what we were saying. Like this guy, there's no way this guy can return. It was just like where where was the continuity between last year and like the beginning? Like whatever happened was was weird because they I just don't understand. Poor. Like I just don't understand how they take so long to make adjustments. It's like it's like they have no plan B or C or D or double Z. You know, you can't freaking go into a game and just be like, okay, this is what we're going to do. And if it doesn't work, we're going to do it again and again and again and again. And that's what it seemed like they did for like the first five weeks. Um, you know, I think Adam Hogue uh, spoke to it that they're essentially throwing Justin out there and making him do what they want him to do. And that's it. Like to re- as the real test, can he be a drop back passer? And they just beat their head against the walls about it. And if they wouldn't have done that and just, kind of reverted back to last year's offense or at least hybrid built the two together. This is already a seven win team. Most likely, you know, two more wins. That's easy, dude. Like, well, shit, we can count three right off the rip. You can count the, the, the Bronco, the, the Vikings in the first time and the Lions the first time. Yep. Yeah. I mean, all those games are, were, were close games where we were leading, at least I don't think we ever led in that Viking that first Vikings game, but it was still what 1913, something like that. So point game. Yeah, yeah. They covered. I guarantee they covered. Um so yeah, I don't I don't think uh I don't think they're going anywhere unless there's a total shit show collapse again, and then I mean, which is totally possible. I mean it is the Bears. So yeah, here's the biggest question is are we gonna pick the Bears to win three in a row, pressure to luck, and win three in a row. Uh, we're not there yet on the Brown talk. Let's talk about uh, some guys that stood out for you uh, over the weekend, Luke. I mean, you, you have a big old win against the Lions. What are some of the guys that uh, maybe you, it tickled your fancy and said, oh, I like that guy. I like that play. We need to see more of it. Flappy Bird. Flappy Bird Brisker. Sometimes you see these flashes out of him. Like this week, he looked like one of the best safeties in the league. Like. And you get those flashes from him a lot, but he's just kind of inconsistent back there, especially in pass coverage. But, I mean, that dude racked it up this week, 17 tackles. He was flapping all over the field. I know that – dude, what is that dance? You're right, Chris. It's it's, it's like – it's the least intimidating – like, you just you just killed a dude behind the line of scrimmage, <laughs> and, and you're just flapping your wrist? Like, you're not flexing or something, dude? Well, like, he did like a – he did like a – Bow and arrow one. Yeah, the arrow one's cool. That one's cool, but like I don't even know what he's alluding to. Like maybe there's some reference that we're unaware of that he's alluding to that we're just not in with whatever culture he's referencing or song or music video or t- I don't know what the hell's happening and I don't know what it is. I I just like to call it Flappy Bird because I I just don't I don't know what he's doing. My father-in-law was making fun of him. He was watching the game with me. And he's just like, what, what is that? Um, <laughs> he can do whatever he wants if he's going to have 17 total yeah, tackles exactly. and break up a bunch of ta- yeah. but, but, and, break up a bunch of passes. Yeah, you know I don't I mean? care. Do your thing. I mean, Joe Gaither, I mean, you could almost give a game ball to this entire defense, though. The the linebackers have been awesome. Tremaine Edmonds finally starting to come into his own. And um, 
TJ Edwards has just been a beast for the Bears all year long. Uh, I mean, how about Montez Sweat? Everyone said, you know, oh, a second round pick is too rich, and they got the extension done, and that dude is just I don't know. Ever since he's been here, the D-line has actually been racking up sacks. They're getting pressures left and right. And then just like you said, Chris, like the same thing about fields being, you know, them trying to use him as a drop back pass or whatever field experiment. Dude, I'm seeing Eberflus drop some of these crazy blitzes that I would never imagine him draw like seven man pressures on third down. Like who the hell is this guy? And where was he at the beginning of the year? Like he was in a different body and his name was Alan Williams. Well, dude, it's just like like you're. Why did it take them so long to adjust? Why? No idea. No idea. No idea. You got it. I mean, if you're polls, you got to be asking. Uh, that's the question you got to be asking. Is like what? What is this? Um, I heard an interesting quote. Maybe I said this to you last week, Luke, as well. Um, there are no. Oh shit! What is it? It's basically like there are no bad employees, only bad leaders. So essentially, there are no bad. You know, players only bad leaders. Yeah. Uh, it makes me think a lot about, you know, this situation, um, specifically with, with, with fields um, and anybody developing on this team. Um, and you mentioned Tremaine, Ed, uh, Tremaine Edmonds, Lucas, and I heard something. I think maybe it was Joss Lucas talking on uh, Spiegel and Gollum or whatever the fuck that show is. <laughs> Perkins um, and Spiegel. Yeah, sure. Perkins and Spiegel. <laughs> One show to rule them all. Uh, so he was saying that, you know, sometimes a guy will go to a new team and it'll take him almost a, an entire season to kind of get acclimated before they really see the fruits of the signing. And that maybe Tremaine Edwin, Edmonds would fall into that uh bucket uh because it didn't look good early uh so i'm glad to see he's playing well uh montez sweat man he's fun he's a he's a fun player he he does it all you know he's not just a pass rusher he he sets the edge he hustles uh you know he he backs his team up like oh yeah dude when he was on the sideline he was was yelling at the D. yeah freaking when Mooney got blasted for like being a yard out of bounds, uh, Montez Sweat was one of the first ones up in up in Dude's Grill. Was it Benzel Anzalone or whatever? Anzalone, his name was. Alex Anzalone. Yep. Yeah, uh, looking like Van Ginkle out there. Can't keep him apart. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I love Montez Sweat. That that was a great deal. Uh, Cornerbacks, corners were great, dude. Dude, JJ is JJ is causing problems for us now because he is just earning more and more money every week. Hmm. Uh, it, can you imagine? I mean, if he'd have taken the the first Lions pick, if he'd have got that pick six, and then I think there's one against Minnesota too. Like, oh my god, dude. dude! He's just like he can ask for he can ask to reset the market now. Like he said, he wasn't trying to the first time, and then I think the second time on again the the Parkins and Spiegel show uh, said, "Well, yeah, I think I agree that I can reset the market." So, good job, Ryan. That one, that one, you kind of dropped the ball on. But hey, you had to you had to find out. You had to know. Now you know. Get it done.
spend that money. You got you got all that cap. You got to hit hit that cap floor anyway. Might as well just give it to JJ. I freaking said that. Like he's the only one out of the the three I was absolutely convinced with to to resign, and they went with Cole, and that's that's fine. I like Cole. He's he's earned that contract even after getting it. Joe. What's the question? I don't think there was one. Well, I'm just rambling. Uh, you asked who stood out to us. Um, you know, for me, it was Sweat uh, and, and Flappy Bird for for Lucas. Uh, I thought DJ had a good game. You know, always, um, <laughs> always good. Uh, Cole had Cole had some good catches. That dude is like automatic for his props. If you are, if you bet props, bet Cole commits props because I think his catches are like almost always three and a half, and his yardage is under forty, and he crushes it like every week. So there you go, mm. go make some money. But yeah, Joe, what about you? Who stood out for you? Hmm. To me, I thought. Uh, to me. I mean, Luke Getze stood out to me at times. Obviously, the the first half, the, the the first drive of each of the halves it turned out to be pretty instrumental. Um, I felt like Detroit did a really good job uh, bottling up quarterback runs, but in pass protection and scramble mode, Justin, that's where he got loose. Um, Oh, I mean, obviously, DJ Moore with the fourth down touchdown reception and with the end around touchdown with the end around touchdown. You know, a guy that we always hate on, or I, I will own it, that I always hate on, uh, Vailus Jones stepped in at a moment where DJ Moore was a little bit hurt uh, and was taking a couple plays off, and he had a second and six reception. Um, he had two, 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 two or three receptions on that drive before DJ came back in, and, you know, that's nice to see. I don't really expect him to be anything ever for, for this club, for this program, but nice to see that. Um I thought really the defensive line as a whole, I mean, Luke already hit it, but the defensive line as a whole played largely on the other side of the Detroit line of scrimmage. And everything that you always hear about Detroit is, oh, their their offensive line is so good, their offensive line is so good. But whether you're playing, whether the scheme is, oh, we're just going to all going to, we're going to play one gap. And so we're all going to penetrate through that one gap or whether they're two gapping and most of the time they were one gapping, but like you, the, you got guys on the other side of the line of scrimmage and yeah, Detroit gapped you out a couple of times through the game, but not consistently enough to make it a thing. Uh, they got a couple of big runs, maybe three runs of over 15 yards or so. Uh, but most of it was pretty sound and we're going to get in your way and you can't cut back on us. And, you know, Gibbs is pretty fast. Uh, I was, Pretty, you know, you got fortunate with the fumble with, with the with the Jared Goff fumbled snap, uh, but you know those things are going to happen. Good for you. You, you got to take advantage of them. Um, they oftentimes happen to us. Yeah, Justin Fields is just so crazy, man. Because in the first half, he looked so scattered and like off, but he still produced because of some of his amazing athletic plays. And so, like. You know, all this comes down to, you know, I, I'd like to make the playoffs. I would, but I'm also looking at draft position, and we're also kind of thinking that this isn't really a Super Bowl team, but it's fun to win. Hell, it's a whole lot more fun to win two in a row than to lose. You know, we, we know that. But, like, goodness gracious, 
you think about Justin, what he's going to be, and we've kind of just kind of danced around Matt Eberflus coming back. And it's like, you win these last four games or you get the Bears into playoff contention and you talk about, oh, it often takes a guy a whole new year, a whole year to get comfortable. Well, he's now his whole year with DJ Moore and whole year with Darnell Wright. And, you know, what does that do when you bring in a guy like uh, Malik Neighbors or Marvin Harrison Jr. or a Brock Bowers or a Olu Fushat? So it's just some big time. Off- two of them. Oh, yeah, or two of them, exactly. Um, does that just c- continue the ascension, or do you give up on him? I, mean, I think that always is going to be the question over the last, you know, not just four weeks, but but over the next three and a half months. So, um, you know, it's fun to win. I, I, I thought that the guys played well. I thought Justin gave him about a B plus, about a B plus. He had a couple of reads that he missed, a couple of passes that he missed, but largely – you know, even in his, oh, my gosh, I'm frantic behind the line and uh, and run, you know, even though you're dealing with some of that, you, you look at the bottom line and the bottom line is 28 points. The bottom line is a handful of long extended drives. And the bottom line is, you know, you didn't have any turnovers, did you? Yeah, no turnovers. Uh, you almost had that sack fumble, but it went your way. Um it was it was nice to see, considering considering what Detroit has uh, considering what Detroit you know has been for the first. I know Detroit's on the downturn a little bit, but they were what nine and three now over the first twelve weeks. So, you know, it's nice to get one of the good good teams. Finally, yeah, for sure. Uh, I've been now. I mean, I've, I'm I'm still bouncing around this question, you know, about about Justin. And for me, a lot of it starts with, you know, Luke Getze. You know, everybody and their mom on Bears Twitter hates Luke Getze. But, I mean, if Eberflus is back, I don't see how Poles is going to force him to fire uh, Getze. Um, You know, if we're sticking to the narrative of it's rebuilding, it's rebuilding, then – as you just said, Joe, it's his first year with DJ Moore at, at his disposal, with Darnell Wright blocking, with Nate Davis blocking. Um, another dude, Dante Foreman's been great. Deontay Foreman, whatever. I don't understand why Khalil Herbert didn't get more carries this game. That was super weird to me, unless he was, you know, unless he uh, had a setback with his with his injury, but. I mean, so like we were talking, like I can't remember who I was going back and forth on Twitter with, but like at one point in that game before all the was it the Vikings game that was all the field goals, the Bears were sixth in red zone red zone touchdown percentage. So that's a pretty big indicator to me is once you get down there, you can you can get it done. I think that's a pretty big deal. Uh, I think. Joe, you touched on it, and I think every first drive of the last four games has looked fantastic. Uh, I think Getty has come up with a lot of good plays. Um, you know, Justin missing these throws would make Getty look even better. I mean, if he hits DJ Moore on that that twenty yard in or whatever, and it, it, it just so then that brings me to Justin. And if you're going to keep fields, like why put another new offensive coordinator mm-hmm. in front of him? His yep. third, you know, his third one in four years. Don't take Cutler that boy. 
Don't Jay Cutler that that kid. Um, so then it comes down to okay, if we give Justin everything, you know, give him the keys to the the Ferrari, give him Marvin Harrison Jr. and Brock Bowers, or Marvin Harrison Jr. and Malik Neighbors, or the Washington kid. Um, Adunze, Rome Adunze. Yeah, that kid's a beast. Um, can't remember. I thought it was a. I want to. I want to <laughs> say uh, Azuna from the Braves every time I see that kid's name. But um, or you know, and, and you can win with Justin. You can. It, it's okay. Like you can win with him. Or do you take whichever quarterback you like better? Uh, and say, okay, we think we can level up here at the quarterback position, and Getzi's offense is now on fire. I mean, it, what do what do Getzi and, and Eberflus try to tell polls like, hey, like if you want to go out and get playmakers, we're, we're, we we want Justin, or are they going to say, hey, you know, this would have been a lot better with a better quarterback. And you take advantage of Justin playing well these last four weeks, and and you and you move him. I think the biggest, one of the biggest uh, wrinkles in all of it too is the contract situation. You know, Justin has not given me enough to absolutely, you know, sign him to a long term deal, give him forty fifty million dollars. But then again, well, I don't want to get in a Tommy DeVito situation, you know. We're just rolling out the most random Italian we can find. <laughs> but now here's here's a question I was actually thinking about. Now we kind of know what Ryan Pohl's philosophy is, right? He he kind of has his value in his head and he doesn't pay you really much more than what he has in his mind. Or at least that's kind of the impression he gives us. So like when it comes to the quarterback, right, and how inflated the market is. Don't you think it's entirely possible that he'd be like, this is the going rate for a quarterback, but Justin Fields isn't worth the 45 million a year or whatever? Yes. 100%. Absolutely. Yes. I think the most likely scenario. I think that's kind of a wild card that people aren't considering. I think people are just like, oh, you keep Fields, you're automatically going to give him that contract. But no. if well, Bulls has shown us anything, he's not going to overpay according to what the market or another team dictates. The, the biggest problem is. Is like if you, if you keep Fields and you take two players, two good players, they're probably going to win more games. You know, next year they're probably going to win more games, right? And you're not going to be in this position again. And then, you know, next year it's not that much better. It's incremental improvements. I just don't know if you're ever going to see enough of a leap to get you to Super Bowl contender. I just don't. I just don't know. That's and and you're well, not gonna get there that, again. This brings me to another question I had. And I posted on Twitter. Let's say the Bears do end up with the first pick and they choose to stick with Justin. Would it, would you try and stay in the top three to definitely get Marvin Harrison, or would you try and move back further to maybe get insurance the next year with more first round picks? Maybe you get a pass rusher and you know. Do you move out of the top three and just get a huge haul of picks? Would you rather do that or would you rather take Harrison? Who's at three? The Patriots? Are we? I mean, you got to be sure the Cardinals aren't going to take Harrison. I mean, if that's your well, target. Well, they would. They, they would. I, I guess I mean you just stay where you can get him. So just say you move with the Patriots one spot to two. You get a minimal. You get 
Oh, if the Patriots are two? And yeah. I, I mean, so you get two second round picks and a third or something like that. But no, you get man, there's no way you can sell. You could sell the Patriots on. Look, look what I did last year. I'm willing to drop down nine spots to get. All right, listen, I'm just giving you, I'm giving you a hypothetical. I I said yes to the Harrison thing. Yes. All right. That was my answer. But I guess my point is, if that's the case, you're not giving yourself insurance in case Fields doesn't pan out by not getting those high first round picks the following year. Hypothetically. I think you load up on the most assets that you can. And, and really, uh, Luke, you and I have talked about it before. The, you know, everybody's in love with Marvin Harrison Jr., and he is the, he's the truth. He's the bee's knees, absolutely. But you can drop out to 8 or 9 or 12 or whatever. You you, take, you, can, you can take yourself uh, Malik Neighbors or Roma Dunzier, and, and you can basically, you know, stack your first-round picks and say, you know, you know, it's not Marvin Harrison, but it is Malik Neighbors, and it is another big-time weapon. And, you know, he may not be – the 1.1, but he's the 1.2, 1.3 or whatever, and he still is, can can put – I mean, really and truly what you got to do is you got to – because Mooney's going to – you know, Mooney's probably going to be coming back, likely. But if you – I don't think so. I, I mean, don't think so. Okay, all right, great. Even better. Then you have to replace him. Then you have to replace him. The point, though, if he was going to come back at a, at a like he's on his last little what four games of of his deal, so he's got to get worked out. Uh, and if you bring him back, you want to move him to wide receiver three. You don't want to use him anymore as wide receiver two. You want to be down. You, you want to be bumping him down the depth chart based on skill. And there's a couple wide receivers that aren't named uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. that can do now. Marvin, Marvin would be. See that that's the thing though, Joe. Yeah, there is nothing in the draft that is a sure thing. But there's probably not as sure of a thing as anyone in recent memory is Marvin Harrison being sure. a good and like he's going to be a probably a Pro Bowl player immediately. Yeah, so that's yeah. that's where I'm kind of on the fence. Where yeah, you can just keep stacking these picks, but uh, at some point you need to take the blue chip talent. You need to get yeah. the blue the blue chip blue chip talent. Yes. You can't just keep adding red players or whatever they call them. Sure, and like wh- like if you take you take the Patriots, you t- whatever you. Whatever. You take Harrison. Who cares what else you get out of it? Same could be said if they wanted to take a quarterback, honestly. Like, this Justin is good. We could trade him, get extra assets, and then this guy we think is, is a blue a blue caliber quarterback. You know, we have Justin in a tier below that. I mean, that's also a, a decision they'll have to make. Like, who's to say you couldn't trade the second pick is what I was going to what I was going to say. Because if you take Harrison Jr. and you're at 8, 9, 10, whatever, trade back, you know, get assets that way, you could still do that too. You know, first-round picks are still paid for that that, that kind of – I mean, if you're going from one to two, I mean, the ideal scenario is to go from one to two and then to go from two to, to three. Uh, basically by stacking picks that way, by saying, hey, you know, we're going to take Caleb Williams, Arizona. We're going to take Caleb Williams and the uh, Patriots. And then you don't, and you move from, yeah, you move from, you know, one to two, and you say, oh, we're going to take Drake May, Arizona. We're going to take Drake May, you know, New England. And then you move, move down again, and, and that's the way you do it. Uh, and it was, and then you know you're at three. You take Drake May. You're at three. You take Marvin Harrison Jr. You know whatever whatever you want to do. You've moved down. To, I mean that's the Madden move, and obviously that's not really the most realistic, but that's the ideal. 
It always takes two to tango. Yeah, but I, I mean, what well, the 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 49ers had the Bears believing that they were gonna that they were uh, had somebody on the line for Mitchell Trubisky on that you know in 2017. Yeah, I I, I know weird things happen, but I. I feel like it's almost a lock that Harrison will be on the Cardinals if the if they stay at three is basically what I'm saying. Like I don't Kyler looks pretty good. They really don't have any receivers. It just makes too much sense for them to take him there. That's that's all. We'll see what happens though. Maybe they win another game and get out of that spot. Well, guys, we're at 25 minutes in. Y'all want to talk about the Browns, or you got something else on your mind before we get to old Joe Flacco? The Browns are beat up. They're on the Browns, ropes. Yeah, not good. The Bears took a little bit of a hit uh, recently. Yannick Ngakwe broke his ankle, so that's going to be uh, something we have to deal with now uh, on the IR for him. We haven't mentioned that quite yet, and that is really sad. But we are Montez Sweat men, uh, so that's okay. Uh, Bears are going to Cleveland, three-point underdog, uh, going to play at noon. Uh, ESPN Analytics has the Browns 57.4% to win, and the over-under is, looks like, 38 and a half. Shit, dude, I'll still go under that. This is the game I've had circled for a while that I really want to see as a true test for the Bears. Like, I would say the Browns, before all their injuries, were probably a threat to go to the AFC Championship. Now I think they're still a good team, but obviously they lost a lot of talent. But this was really my kind of big measuring stick for Fields and Eberflus and how they come out to this game will really... Obviously, I know the roller coaster, the ride of people going up and down and back and forth on these guys, but, I mean, this is truly the uh, you know a big test for them down this stretch here. Um, this and the Green Bay game, hopefully that's meaningful. But I think both of them have to play pretty well to uh, convince upper management to keep them longer this week. Who? What'd you say? Flus and Fields. I, okay. I think this this yeah, is a yeah, huge yeah. week for him. Good defense. Fields normally doesn't play well versus good defenses. They're going to scheme Flus. them out. Flus needs to show us he can continue coaching well versus good teams. It'll be zone coverage all day. Yeah. It'll I be mean, the Cleveland front floor coming after you. Yeah, it's not as it's nearly as scary as last time. <laughs> Only problem is Jones versus Garrett's not great, but it'll be all right. Uh it'll be interesting. I think I think you're right, Lucas. I think this is the the best test, at least down the down the stretch, uh, for Fields. Um, he did, he did better the second time around against the Vikings, so it's going to be. I mean, it's going to be really up to. I think so. Back to my Getsy point. Where are you guys out on the Getsy thing? You didn't even fucking like really. You just went on to your own goddamn question, Lucas. Where are you at on Lucas Getsy right now? I mean, I, I agree with you. I We kind of talked about this last week. I think he's a pretty decent offensive coordinator. I don't think his style meshes well with fields. But I totally agree that you can't give him – you can't really yank him out from under fields if you decide to go forward with that just because you there is something to be said about continuity. So, okay, so let's say you move on from fields 
and you're gonna you're gonna bring a quarterback like are you saying that you want a new coordinator at that point because like Getzy's system wouldn't work with a quarterback that would fit his style? But you're keeping Fluce, is that your question? Well, you're keeping Fluce. You're you're moving on from Fields. Poles and Fluce have said no more Fields. And Getzy's the the question mark. But you're saying that Getzy and Fields don't mesh well. So if you're getting rid of Fields, are you saying that if we I would get rid of Getzy, both? Interesting. I would get rid of both. Yeah. Interesting. I uh, I'm kind of to the point where I think Getzy stays regardless. I know Bears fans are going to hate that, but whatever. He's going to throw more screens than than you want to deal with, but fucking whatever, dude. Um, anyway, so where are we at? The Browns? Yeah. Um, yeah, Getzy. Okay, so it's going to be up to Getzy to, to scheme – Good plays against this Brown defense. I'm pretty sure they can get run on. If I if I'm not mistaken, that is their I mean, kind of Browns Achilles. gave up a ton of points to the Jags. So I mean, I think I mean it's a very winnable game. They the you know the Bears can run the ball against them. Then um, then I think they're in. I think they they have a good a good shot at uh you know doing pretty well against this team. Joe, but th- th- this is what I was trying to say though too is like this is this is a winnable game, but you are an underdog. You're going on the road. There's some chatter about playoffs. Like this is where I want Fields to step up and be like he can he can mm-hmm. win me, and I think a lot of people back this game if he plays well. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to get my hopes too high just because we haven't seen it consistently. It's like we always we always go two steps forward, one step backwards, and then all the excuse warriors come out and then he'll play well versus Arizona or, or something. And it'll be like, well, now what do we do No, Prove it to me that this, this is the week, man, this, you have to step up here versus a good defense and have a decent game. Uh, I'm going to go uh, 1917 Browns well, right on the number, not on the number, uh, right on the 38 number. Uh, I'll go, yeah, 19th. I, I think that, you know, for all the reasons, Luke, that you just outlined, uh, everything's starting to turn the right way for the Bears. You know, we've done this before. We did this right before the Chargers game where the Bears should have played a whole lot better uh, against a team that really wasn't that great. Uh, and then they put out and basically beat the heck out of you. Um, yeah, I think it's probably, you know, game time weather. The says it's going to be in the 40s, and, you know, it doesn't look like it's going to be crazy, but I, I just feel like uh, this is going to be a situation where the Bears have built a little bit of momentum against, uh, you know, two teams in your division. You're feeling good about yourself. It's time to come back down to earth, and uh, I'm predicting the Browns do that uh, probably in some sort of heartbreaking fashion. She said 1917 Browns? Brownies, 1917. So just looking at, you know, just to kind of put a bow on the defense of the Browns, uh, they're 14th against the opponent's rush, rushing yards per or yards per rush at 4.1. They're 14th, so middle of the pack. Uh, they're about 11th in yards per game. 
Uh, 24th in opponents rushing TDs a game. They give up uh, one rushing TD a game, but their pass defense is stupid sick. They are number one in uh, opponent completion percentage at 56%. They are number three in yards per pass, number one in passes a game, number one in passing yards a game at 160. That's gross. Uh, Number four in opponents interception throw percentage at – and then number one at QB sack percentage, and the Bears are 26th in QB getting sacked percentage. So Fields is in for a test with that department. Um, we're making guesses, 38. bears. 17-13 bears. We're not giving up two touchdowns. Yeah, I'm actually ready to take the bears again. I think things are trending well for the the bears this week, especially with all the Browns injuries. I think the defense will play well enough for them to win. I'm going to say 20-17 bears. Let's go. Let's go, Bears. What other we do we have any other meaningful games this weekend, Joe? Who do the uh, Panthers? Panthers they play the Saints. No, the Panthers. No, yeah, the Falcons. Atlanta, Atlanta in Carolina. Uh, Detroit plays Denver. Denver's very hot right now, which is fucking weird. Green Bay has Tampa Bay. At Lambeau, that's meh. They'll probably win that game. The Chiefs are going to beat the heck out of Patriots. 49ers are going to beat the heck out of Cardinals. Dallas-Buffalo should be a good game. That's probably the game of the week. But Minnesota's off this week, I think. Nope, they have Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati can win that game. It's weird. Like, there's a lot of like the Bears need some help to get into the playoffs. If that is the, the conversation, but there's plenty of ways that they could get helped. You know. Yeah. Like, I think the rest of the division could. Well, I don't think Green Bay is losing, but anyway, the, the Rams play the Washington Commanders as well. That'll be important for playoff position. But I think the Rams will win. Yeah, the Manders have the what, like fourth pick. Sixth pick, some fifth pick, somewhere around there. Yeah, and they have to travel cross country. So it's always easier to travel west, though. Yeah, I think the Rams are going to just throw for a million yards on them. Probably. Probably. Puka Nashua. The the um the Manders are garbage. Well, Joe, we got two wins in a row, so you know what that means. Bear down, Chicago Bears. Make every play clear the way to victory. Bear down, Chicago Bears. Put up a fight with the might so fearlessly. We'll never forget the way you thrilled the nation with your T formation. Bear down, Chicago Bears. And let them know why you're wearing the crown. You're the pride and joy of Illinois, Chicago Bears. Bear down. Bear down.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.